From 1867 to 1889, the two most prominent cattle trails in Texas were the Western Trail, also known as the Fort Griffin Dodge City Trail, and the Eastern Trail, also known as the Chisholm Trail. To confuse matters further, the Chisholm Trail has also been historically referred to as the Abilene, Caldwell, Cattle, Great Texas Cattle, Kansas, and McCoy's Trail. Still, Texas historians acknowledge that the name of these trails do not resonate as loudly within American history or attract as much tourism as Chisholm Trail. To follow the history of the cattle trails, Joseph G. McCoy, a businessman and entrepreneur, is credited with the extension of the trail as far south as Brownsville, Texas, which became known as the Chisholm Trail. The first cattle trail was named after Jesse Chisholm, a Scotch-Cherokee fur trader who forged a route from Wichita, Kansas, to the North Canadian River. The Chisholm Trail became popularized in American history through songs, stories, mythical tales, radio, television, and movies. To this day, historians and enthusiasts debate various aspects of the Chisholm Trail's history, especially the route and name. Wild West Podcast proudly presents Cattle Trails and the Men Who Founded Them. Stay with us after this episode as Mike and I explore why historians continue to debate the true names of the early trails. When the first herds were taken north in the early 1840s, they reversed the trek, opening a trail to the railheads in Missouri. Newspapers referred to the route as the Sedalia Trail or the Cattle Trail. By the late 1850s, the name was in general use during the Mexican War, and the trail was used almost constantly during the summer months. The gold rush in California increased demand for cattle after 1848, which became known as the Shawnee Trail, and was heavily used for several years. No one knows why it was called the Shawnee Trail, However, the route passed by a Shawnee village in North Texas, near the Shawnee Hills in Indian Territory. By the mid-1850s, Kansas City, Missouri was the largest stock market in the West, and the Texas cattle trailing industry was well established. The Shawnee Trail was the first major route used by the cattle trailing industry to deliver longhorns to the markets of the Midwest. Longhorns were collected around San Antonio, Texas, and taken northward through Austin, Waco and Dallas, crossing the Red River near Preston, Texas at Rock Bluff. Here at the emanation of this point of the trail provided a place forming a natural chute that forced the cattle together at the ford, and a gradual rise on the north bank made it easy to exit the river. In fact, many drovers were killed at the very beginning of the drive to the Red River. There were four crossings, Rock River Crossing, Red River Station, Doan's Crossing, and Ringgold. Andy Adams describes Doan's Crossing. Red River, this boundary river of the northern border of Texas, was a terror to trail drivers. The majestic grandeur of the river was apparent on every hand, with its red bluff banks, the sediment of its red waters marking the timber along its course, while the driftwood, lodged in trees and high on the banks, indicated what might be expected when she became sportive or angry. The crossing had been in use only a year or two when we forded, yet five graves, 
one of which was less than 10 days made, attested her disregard for human life. It can safely be asserted that at this and lower trail crossings on Red River, the lives of more trailmen were lost by drowning than on all other rivers together. North of the Red River, the trail divided for a time, coming together near Boggy Depot in the Choctaw Nation, Indian Territory. Here, some herds veered sharply eastward to pass through Fort Smith, Arkansas. The main trail led to the Canadian River, directly below the confluence of the north and south branches. The trail then forded the Arkansas River between the mouths of the Verdigris and Neosho Rivers, and followed the Neosho past Fort Gibson, almost to the Kansas border. At that point, the trail was then subdivided into various routes, which, depending on the final destination, led to one of the following. Baxter Springs, Kansas, and Westport, Kansas City, Sedalia, and St. Louis, Missouri. Throughout the 1830s, settlers from the United States heading for Texas traveled along present Oklahoma along the Texas Road. The westward expansion of the farming frontier soon intervened. In 1853, farmers in Missouri turned back the drovers, fearing that the Longhorns would infect their cattle with a tick-borne disease called Texas fever. Longhorns were immune to it, but they harbored ticks that spread it to local herds. Newly infected animals either died or required expensive treatment. Between 1853 and 1855, herds continued to use the trail, but resistance continued to grow. In December 1855, the Missouri legislature passed the first law banning diseased animals. Some drives avoided Missouri, staying on the eastern edge of the Kansas Territory. Anxious farmers there pushed a bill through the territorial legislature in 1859 that limited access to cattle drives. For a time, the drovers were forced to run a gauntlet of angry farmers and justices of the peace to get the cattle to railheads. Through 1859 and 1860, violence erupted when the drovers encountered the blockades. The outbreak of the Civil War in 1861 virtually stopped traffic on the Shawnee Trail north of Indian Territory. The end of the Civil War signaled the rebirth of the cattle drives on the Shawnee Trail. In 1866, more than 200,000 Longhorns were taken up the trail. However, resistance grew stiffer and better organized. By 1867, six states had enacted laws limiting trail drives. Trovers attempted to avoid populated areas by turning to follow the Arkansas River westward or by grazing their herds in the Cherokee Strip until local quarantines were lifted. These delays and poor grazing in Indian Territory reduced profits, and the future of the trail-driving industry seemed in peril. One Texas cattle owner was quoted at the Condition of Cattle Ranching in 1866. Never, perhaps, in the history of Texas was the business of cattle ranching at so low a state as about the close of the year 1866 and during the following year. The cattle-producing portions of Texas were overrun with stock. The ranges were becoming depastured, and as a consequence, the unprotected earth became dried by the hot sun and permanent drought threatened. The cattle stocks would not yield sufficient revenue to pay the expenses of caring for them, branding, marking, etc., Strange as it may seem, it is nevertheless true that within the bounds of that great state, no one came forward to open up an outlet for the millions of her matured cattle. In 
Over the cattle ranching business, a deep gloom settled, crushing to earth the hopes of many whose herds numbered thousands. Such was the state of affairs in Texas at the close of 1866. But it is said that the darkest hour is the one just before the break of day. And so it was in this case. Just how and from whence came that brighter hour, that dawn of day that formed the theme of a future chapter. It was in 1867 when Joseph G. McCoy... It was in 1867 when Joseph G. McCoy... A young entrepreneur from Illinois built stock pens and loading chutes on the railroad at Abilene, Kansas. Soon, most cattle followed the old Shawnee Trail from central Texas to Waco, but they turned north. Good grief. Soon, most cattle followed the old Shawnee Trail from central Texas to Waco, but they turned. Soon, most cattle followed the old Shawnee Trail from central Texas to Waco, but they turned toward Fort Worth following the Chisholm Trail. Chisholm's name is indelibly linked to the great movement of Longhorns from South Texas to Central Kansas. Establishing a cattle terminal along the newly laid railroad line in Central Kansas was a perfect solution for Texas cattlemen. Before driving Texas cattle to market in Abilene, Kansas, the trail was used as a wagon freight trail by Jesse Chisholm, J.R. Meade, and other early-day traders and freight haulers. Jesse Chisholm, an Indian trader, guide, and interpreter, was born in the Hiawassee region of Tennessee, probably in 1805 or 1806. His father, Ignatius Chisholm, was of Scottish ancestry and had worked as a merchant and slave trader in Knoxville area in the 1790s. Around 1800, he married a Cherokee woman in the Hiawassee area, with whom he had three sons. Jesse was the eldest. Afterward, Ignatius Chisholm separated from Jesse's mother and moved to Arkansas Territory. Jesse Chisholm was taken to Arkansas by his mother with Talenteski's group in 1810. During the late 1820s, he moved to the Cherokee Nation and settled near Fort Gibson in what is now eastern Oklahoma. Chisholm became a trader and in 1836 married Eliza Edwards, daughter of James Edwards, who ran a trading post in what is now Hughes County, Oklahoma. Chisholm took trade goods west and south into Plains Indian country, learned a dozen or so languages, and was soon in demand as a guide and interpreter. Eventually, he interpreted at treaty councils in Texas, Indian Territory, and Kansas. By 1858, Chisholm ended his trips into Texas and confined his activities to western Oklahoma. During the Civil War, he served the Confederacy as a trader with the Indians, but by 1864, He was an interpreter for Union officers. During the war, Chisholm resided at the site of Wichita, Kansas. Chisholm Creek in the present city is named for him. In 1865, Chisholm and James R. Meade loaded a train of wagons at Fort Leavenworth and established a trading post at Council Grove on the North Canadian, near the site of present Oklahoma City. Many of his Wichita friends followed, and their route later became the Chisholm Trail, which connected Texas ranches with markets on the railroad in Kansas. Chisholm was familiar with the route that ran through Pond Creek, Oklahoma, Caldwell, Clearwater, and Wichita, Kansas, having been reported to be in the territory as early as 1864. So successful was the route that in 1865, J.R. Meade established trading posts at Pond Creek, where the trail crosses the Salt Fork of the Arkansas River, 
and the Ninishka River near Clearwater. Likewise, Jesse Chisholm had located his trading post at Council Grove, just west of present-day Oklahoma City, on what later became known as the Chisholm Trail. The first herd to follow the Chisholm Trail to Abilene belonged to O.W. Wheeler and his partners, who in 1867 bought 2,400 steers in San Antonio. They planned to winter them on the plains, then trail them to California. Instead, at the North Canadian River in Indian Territory, they saw wagon tracks and followed them. The tracks were made by Scott Cherokee Jesse Chisholm, who in 1864 began hauling trade goods to Indian camps about 220 miles south of his post near modern Wichita. At first, the route was merely referred to as the Trail, the Kansas Trail, the Abilene Trail, or McCoy's Trail. Though it was applied only to the trail north of the Red River, Texas cowmen soon gave Chisholm's name to the entire trail from the Rio Grande to central Kansas. The earliest known references to the Chisholm Trail in print were in the Kansas Daily Commonwealth on May 27th and October 11th, 1870. Then on April 28, 1874, the Denison, Texas Daily News mentioned cattle going up the famous Chisholm Trail. Finally, C.H. Rust of San Angelo, Texas, stated in an article written for the book The Trail Drivers of Texas by J. Marvin Hunter that he thought the Chisholm Trail started at San Antonio to Abilene, Kansas, a distance of about 650 miles. The old Chisholm Trail started at San Antonio and ended at Abilene, Kansas. From San Antonio, it went to New Brownfields, then to San Marcos, crossing the San Marcos River about four miles below town, then to Austin, crossing the Colorado River about three miles below Austin. Leaving Austin, the trail wound its way on to the right of Round Rock, thence to the right of Georgetown, to the right of Belton, to Old Fort Graham, crossing the Brazos River to the left of Claiborne, then to Fort Worth, winding its way to the right of Fort Worth, crossing the Trinity River just below town. From Fort Worth, the next town was Elizabeth, and from there to Bolivar. Here, the old trail forked, but the main trail went up to St. Joe and north to Red River Station. H.H. H. Halsell, author of Cowboys and Cattleland, said, The Chisholm Trail was not one trail as is commonly spoken. One trail started in South Texas near the Rio Grande River, passing almost due north by way of San Antonio and Fort Worth, and from there northwest by Forestburg and Montague County to Red River Station, where it crossed Red River, and almost due north through Indian Territory to Caldwell, Kansas. Here it separated, one branch going north to Abilene, Kansas, the other going further to the northwest to Montana and the Dakotas. The route up the trail to Abilene, Chisholm's Trail, skirted far enough west to avoid troublesome settlers and exploited a loophole in Texas fever laws. McCoy's vision proved to be a spectacular success. Millions of longhorn cattle poured out of Texas in a few short years. In 1871 alone, about 700,000 cattle reached the Kansas Railhead. Abilene was the first of the Kansas Railway destinations, but as settlers advanced further west, alternative shipping depots opened in other Kansas cities, such as Ellsworth, Newton, and Wichita. The following is an excerpt by C.H. Rust providing his existing account of the location of the Chisholm Trail as it appeared in the book 
the Trail Drivers of Texas. I have no definite information as to what year this old trail was laid out, and if it is not the old Chisholm Cow Trail, then there is no Chisholm Trail. It is just what we call the old Chisholm Trail, and when the cowboy reached his destination, weary and worn, he forgot all about the rainy nights he experienced while on the trail in the companionship of the other long and short horns. One Jesse Chisholm drove cattle to the nation in Kansas before and during the war, crossing the Red River at Choke Bluff Crossing, below Denison. Another peculiar thing about the Chisholm Trail is that Jesse Chisholm never traveled this trail, except from Wichita, Kansas, to the present city of Dover, Oklahoma, on the Cimarron River, a distance of fewer than 150 miles. Chisholm spent his life without having any idea that he would ever become known as a historical character. He died without considering that he was or ever would be known any other than an ordinary trader and trapper. The Frontier Times in August 1936 reported the following on the character of Jesse Chisholm. Chisholm was a great man. He had the traits of Daniel Boone as a pioneer, Henry Clay as a peacemaker, and Kit Carson as a pathfinder. He was an honest trader and had great influence among the Indians. At one time, he was adopted into almost a dozen Indian tribes in Oklahoma. During his trading trips, he would carry the Indians things they liked, red calico beads and paints, but never took them any whiskey. J.R. Meade organized a trading expedition to the Indian tribes near the Wichita Mountains. Trading with the Indians had been abandoned for four years, and this was the first trading expedition to the Southwest after the Civil War. Chisholm started at Wichita and took a southwest course through the towns of Wellington, Caldwell, Pond Creek, Enid, Buffalo Springs, Dover, Kingfisher, Concho, just east of Fort Reno, and on to the Wichita Valley, a distance of 220 miles. When the advancing frontier and barbed wire closed, the Chisholm... My name is Koji. And I'm Michelle. And this is the Japanese America Podcast. So this is where we look at all things Japanese American. We'll bring alive the history, culture, and people that make up this diverse community. In this month's episode, we'll examine Koji's unique family history. To help bring this story alive, we brought on actor and comedian Derek Mew. He was reported to be extremely pro-Japanese and anti-American in sentiment. Her husband was taken into custody by the military authorities, under a warrant authorized by the Secretary of War, who was his enemy of the United States. He was my grandfather on my dad's side. To hear more stories about Japanese America, you can listen to this podcast anywhere you normally download your podcast.
When the advancing frontier and barbed wire closed the Chisholm Trail, the trail jives turned to the Great Western or Dodge City Trail. In Texas, there was no single route to the destination points in central Kansas. Still, the various starting points and tributary routes typically entered Still, the various starting points and tributary routes typically entered a main cattle drive stream that surged north toward Austin, Waco, and Fort Worth before crossing the Red River at Spanish Fort or Red River Station. Until the second half of the 1870s, when Dodge City became the preeminent destination for Texas herds and forced trail driving even further west, the Chisholm Trail dominated the cattle driving scene. During this period, Texas became a land of cattle kings and the image of the American cowboy first seeped in the national consciousness. About 1875, the cattle drive shifted to trails west of the Chisholm Trail. The Santa Fe Railroad had built out as far as Dodge City, Kansas, and the town had been established as a shipping point. The original Chisholm Trail was partially abandoned for two reasons. First, the country along the trail, both in Texas and Kansas, was being settled by nesters, which fact seriously handicapped trail driving, and second, by establishing a trail direct from San Antonio to Dodge City, the drive would be shortened by at least two weeks. Other trails were established to take cattle to additional railroad loading points or stock ranches in the northern plains. For example, the Great Western Cattle Trail took a more westerly route. <clears throat> Other trails were established to take cattle to additional railroad loading points. Oh, sorry. Other trails were established to take cattle to additional railroad loading points or stock ranches on the northern plains. For example, the Great Western Cattle Trail took a more westerly route through Texas up to Nebraska and northern territories. It became the main road for cattle heading to northern markets. The trail extended north from San Antonio crossed the Red River at Doan's Crossing, and led to Dodge City in western Kansas. Other ranchers headed west into Colorado along the Pecos Trail, also known as the Goodnight Loving Trail. This trail went up the Pecos River into New Mexico. It was later extended into Wyoming. All those cattle trails needed cowboys to help herd the cattle along the trails. Historians estimate that 35,000 cowboys were on the trails in the second half of the 19th century. About 9,000 of them were black cowboys. After the enslaved people were freed, many moved west to work on Texas ranches. Others had already lived in Texas and herded cattle for their masters. The Chisholm Trail business was divided between Ellsworth and Wichita in the next few years. Later, it went to Dodge City and Caldwell. In 1876, a rival route, the Western Trail, was opened to Dodge City and began handling an increasing number of herds. A fork of the Chisholm Trail also helped to supply this new market. The Western Trail was also called the Dodge City Trail, or simply the Texas Trail. It began in the hill country of Texas near present Caraville, where... The Western Trail was also called the Dodge City Trail, or simply the Texas Trail. It began in the hill country of Texas near present Kerrville, where various minor trails converged. The trail crossed the Llano River near present Brady, Texas, and passed over the clear fork of the Brazos near Fort Griffin. Finally, it reached the Red River about 10 miles north of present Vernon, Texas. 
Corwin Doan, who opened a trading post on the river in 1878, maintained a detailed account of the herds moving north for many years. He recorded more than 300,000 longhorns passed by his establishment in 1881. The ford soon became known as Doan's Crossing. Across western Texas, minor trails fed into the western trail, bringing cattle from a wide area. North of Abilene, the Potter-Bacon Cutoff left the western trail to cross the Llano Estacado, ending in Wyoming. The western trail crossed the Prairie Dog Fork... The Western Trail crossed the Prairie Dog Town Fork of the Red River a few miles north of Doan's, utilizing gently sloping embankments to enter Greer County. The trail then pushed northward, crossing the North Fork of the Red River near present Warren, Oklahoma. Leaving the river, the trail entered the most dangerous section of the route, the Cheyenne-Arapaho Reservation. Here, the drovers frequently met American Indians who wanted to supplement their meager government rations with fresh beef. Usually, the meetings ended amicably. Amicably. Usually, the meetings ended amicably, but in the mid-1880s, military escorts were frequently assigned to the trail. The trail broadened here to let the cattle graze, but coalesced at the fords of Elk Creek near present Chanute and the Washita River south. The trail broadened here to let the cattle graze, but coalesced at the fords on Elk Creek, near present Chinute, and the Washita River south of present Butler. After the Washita, the trail turned eastward to avoid the Gypsum Hills, and then back north to the leading Canadian River near present. The trail broadened here to let the cattle graze, but coalesced at the fords on Elk Creek, near present Chinute, and the Washita River south of present Butler. After the Washita, the trail turned eastward to avoid the Gypsum Hills, and then back north to the leading Canadian River near the present. After the Washita, the trail turned eastward to avoid the Gypsum Hills, and then back north to the leading Canadian River near the present site of Camargo. Following the terrain, it turned eastward again to bisect the old camp supply spur of the Chisholm Trail near May, Oklahoma. Before 1884, Herds turned westward to cross the public land strip, Oklahoma Panhandle, to reach Colorado, Wyoming, and eventually Canada on the International Trail. The U.S. Congress briefly considered designated the International Trail as national route for cattle drives. Directly northwest of May, Oklahoma, the route crossed the Beaver River. Follow, uh, directly northwest of May, Oklahoma, the route crossed the Beaver River. North Canadian River, fording on the sandbar at the mouth of Clear Creek. It then passed near present Laverne and Roston. It crossed the border into Kansas just east of the Cimarron River and then crossed that stream at Deep Hole Crossing. Here the drovers could visit the Longhorn Roundup Saloon or the Dead at or, hmm. Here the drovers could visit the Longhorn Roundup Saloon or the Deadfall Saloon. Finally, the trail veered slightly eastward from the Cimarron to cross the Arkansas River at Dodge City. The final section followed the Arkansas River westward to the stock pens at the railroad railhead. Damn it. The final section followed the Arkansas River westward to the stock pens at the railhead on the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway. During the 1880s, the drives frequently passed by Dodge City, heading to Ogallala, Nebraska, and Wyoming. 
During the 1880s, the drives frequently passed by Dodge City, heading to Ogallala, Nebraska, and Wyoming. In addition, some herds traveled to Canada. However, most of the more than 2 million longhorns that traveled up the Western Trail were shipped out of Dodge City. The route remained busy until 1891, when traffic fell drastically. In 1894, John Blocker drove his herd from West Texas to South Dakota on the Western Trail, its last recorded use. By 1886, the Overland cattle trade was entering its final phase. The railroads were building their lines down into Texas, and driving the cattle long distances to market was no longer necessary. However, some cattlemen continued the drives up until about 1891 because driving cattle to the market was cheaper than shipping them by rail. Another reason for discontinuing the drives was the opposition of the northern cattlemen and farmers. They felt that the cattle from the south were competing with their markets. They also claimed that the Texas cattle were carriers of a disease called Texas fever, and they did not want their cattle infected. As a result, many states passed quarantine laws against Texas cattle. The homesteaders living near the cattle trails complained also. The homesteaders living near the cattle trails complained also that the cattle destroyed their crops and tore down their fences. By the turn of the 20th century, the cattle driving industry was no more. Brad, it is interesting to note how many times historians have long debated the true naming of the early cattle trails, especially the Chisholm Trail. Why do you suppose this is important to historical accuracy? Well, you know me, Mike. I'm, uh, I admit to being a stickler for both historical accuracy, uh, but also historical context. Uh, and those two things are not always exactly the same. Uh, in, I guess in answer to this specific question, uh, I guess what I'd have to say might come off as a little bit controversial, I suppose. But at, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to everybody wants to be right. Uh, and, and beyond that, uh, one historian or uh, one writer is really just trying to be more right than another guy. Uh, when you get to historical context, uh, I guess it is, it was less important to the drovers at the time, what they were calling the trail than, than it is to us. Uh, we just like to, to have something specific to write about, uh, really, as it, when it gets down to the, the Chisholm Trail, Sure, it, it showed up in print years year, and years after it was uh, already being well-established and used by many drovers going north. And it just it became a, a simple way to describe a major route of, of exporting cattle uh, from Texas to the north. Uh, then you've got, think beyond that, uh, the, the, is it the Western Trail or the Great Western uh, Cattle Trail? That seems to be the newest issue among uh, uh, cattle trail historians, uh, and it's of late, it almost seems to have gotten uh, very pointed, if not heated, uh, between the two camps. Uh, in my readings of everything, and, uh, you know, again, I live literally right in the middle of uh, the trail itself, uh, uh, which through that part kind of follows Highway 283 uh, up north into Dodge City, 
there is in fact a marker uh, at the end of my road, uh, one of a very series of markers marking the, the cattle trail all the way down into Texas. And those markers, which are kind of those small white pillars, uh, they read uh, GR for Great Western Cattle Trail. Technically speaking, I would suppose it was the the Western Trail, um, meaning that it was the Western branch of the Chisholm Trail or a trail further to the West of the Chisholm Trail, hence Western Trail, but it was also a great trail. Uh, I think great in historical context was more of a, an adjective than it was a proper, proper name. Uh, it was a great trail. More cattle traveled down that route or rather up that route uh, than, than anything in the past. So it was, it was wide, it was expansive, it was long and economically great. So if you want to call it the Western trail, it was, if you want to call it the great Western cattle trail, it was, and either way the cattle wound up where they were supposed to be. You know, Brad, you mentioned the idea that uh, living in an area where all this history, cowboy history, the trail history, uh, Western history, uh, is a part of where we live currently in Dodge City. Uh, What I was most impressed with is when I visit your ranch out there, the, uh, the big white sign that says Western Trail there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that stopping point uh, on your uh, close to your land there about what occurred uh, at that stopping point uh, where that sign is currently? Uh, well, Mike, the, the sign there just at the, the end of my road, just right off of uh, east of Highway 283 as it runs into Dodge City, I say that is just one of uh, several markers, um, all the way down into Texas. I don't know how far they have gotten into Texas, uh, or even how far North they are. I believe there are some as far North as Nebraska as well, if not, if not further. Uh, so that's just, uh, for my part, it's, it's a great spot. Uh, you're just a, a few miles North uh, where I am. Uh, I'm just a few miles North of a major kind of stopping point, on the cattle trails, the in the big basin, uh, part of which is the well, the little basin on the east side of the highway, which is it features Saint Jacob's Well, uh, one of those living water monuments, a uh, major watering hole going all the way back to to the Stone Age. Uh, really, it has never gone dry in recorded human history. So that was a major stopping point. Uh, just a maybe a quarter mile south of my front porch was a, uh, a small sort of trading post uh, road ranch that was actually owned by the father-in-law of Hamilton Bell, the, the grand old man of the Southwest, a, a legend of, of Dodge City as well. So, uh, and, and even beyond that, when my great-grandfather first bought uh, part of the land uh, just to the west of, of my place, uh, he'd had to move and actually haul in a great amount of, of soil uh, from other spots on, on his land just to where he could get enough soil there to actually farm uh, because of all the, the cattle that had beaten down uh, that topsoil into basically pure cement uh, and you couldn't farm it. So he had to do a lot of dirt work just to be able to farm his new land. That's it for now.
Remember to check out our Wild West podcast shows on iTunes podcast or wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wildwestpodcast or on our YouTube channel at Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast listed at the end of the descriptive text of this podcast to receive notifications on all new episodes. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or would like to add this series on cattle drives, cowboys, and cattle towns, you can write us at wildwestpodcast.gmail.com. If you have any questions or would like to add to this series on cattle drives, cowboys, and cattle towns, you can write us at wildwestpodcast at gmail.com, and we will share your thoughts as they apply to future episodes. Join us next time as we explore the cowboy and their culture.